Everyone, let's get started. Today is Lamed. Lamed Dalid. It's the 31st day of the Omer, but it is Daf Lamed Dalid. And um, we will do a review of yesterday's Daf, Daf Lamed Gimel. We are learning Lili Nishmas from Abashmol Shimin. May her Nisham Avin Aliyah. Also for Daniel Benet Baruch Ben Yudaleib Ve'emi. And also for Shlema. To all those who need it. To all those who need it, exactly. So with that, <laughs> let's get started on our review of yesterday's daf. We're going to start our review. Yeah, it's catching on, right? <laughs> catching on, okay. I January 1st, the Siyum. That's right, Siyum Hashas. And the, sun, the last Masechet is Kratot. No, it's uh, the last Masechta? The last Masechta before the Siyum of the... Medlife Stadium. Yes, that's Karatot, right? Yeah, because they're trying to get you to do it. I understand. Yeah, the Rabbi 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 so he says, basically, only Kohanim are allowed to eat. You're not allowed, uh, non-Kohanim are not allowed to partake. And that is the opinion of Beishamah. Beishul says, that's not true. Even non-Kohanim are allowed to partake. But, um, and then we saw even a Gentile is allowed to eat from the Bechor meal that the, uh, that the um, with the Kohen, as, uh, by the firstborn blemished animal. So the question is, who's our mission? Going like is going like Rabbi Akiva, because uh, in the Brisa we saw actually three opinions. First opinion is that it has to be a Chabura that's Kula Kahanim, that's Bishami's opinion, Basil says, even Zarim, even non-Kahanim. And then we saw Rabbi Akiva, who's Matir Afilu Ovechavim, even a Gentile. Now, what's the reasoning for all these reasons, all these opinions? So first we have Bishami's opinion, it's based on the Pasuk. Pasuk says, um, the flesh should be for you. He's talking to the Kohanim. So you means you and just you, not to be eaten by non-Kohanim. So um, the Gemara says, and what does Beis Hillel hold? That's only true. Yes, that is true. But that's talking, that Pasuk is only talking about the regular Karban Bechor, when it does not have a blemish. But when it is a blemished animal, there's a different pasuk that plays a role, and that is the next pasuk. It says, "Atame v'atar yachtov yochlenu." Atame and a Torah person can eat it together. Now, if we're talking about a tame kohen who can partake of the bechor, that is a blemished animal, so um, we can make a kal that kol shikain Yisrael who is tar could eat it because. After all, Kachim Kalim can, uh, a coin who is not Tahar is not allowed to eat Kachim Kalim, but a Yisrael is allowed to. So uh, there you go. So the Gemara, so surely over here, where a coin Tami is allowed to eat it, surely a Yisrael Tahar should be allowed to eat it. And um, the Gemara says, What? Yeah. Question. I'm a little bit, we're talking about kosher food and everything. I've always had a question concern. I know we don't eat shrimp, and right? That, that kind of thing, lobsters and stuff like that. Everything. But what about they, they've uh, started doing farming 
they're now farming and they feed uh, the shrimp and the lobsters and everything a certain food that's like a farm like a the rule is like this: uh, uh, they, for they fish, don't really scavenge the bottom. Of the, see, so that's a mistake. Okay, people think that the reason why these animals are prohibited or allowed is due to the manner of how they eat or or whatnot. That's not what the Talmud tells us. The Talmud tells us that the only reason why um, why it doesn't give reasons. It just says the Torah doesn't tell you why. Certain foods are kosher and certain foods are not kosher. That doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. It doesn't mention that. It only says that if it ha- a fish has fins and scales, then it is a kosher fish. If it does not have fins and scales, then it's not a kosher fish. And it doesn't matter. And it can eat shrimp. <laughs> it could eat, it does, right. And even, and even the fish, and most of those, a lot of the kosher fish, actually, they're the ones that are eating these uh, crustaceans that are scavengers. So it doesn't matter. That's not how we look at it. Okay, so the Torah... I never thought about that. Yeah, so... Um, Even the kosher fish will eat a scavenger. Yeah. Yes, that's well, right. Uh, exactly right. So that's the story. You know, well, I was born and raised up on a farm, and I never really thought of it like that. You know, we yeah. had catfish, and then we also had scale fish. Brim, right, so the scaled fish is the kosher ones. That's right. That's it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, anyway, that's the bottom line. But okay, that's uh, off the topic a little bit. Okay, so with that, let's continue. So we're talking about the... Um, the next thing that we wanted to know, okay, so that's the opinion of Beishami. We have the opinion also of Beisilo, that it's, uh, since an impure person is allowed to eat it, surely a Yisrael, is, uh, a non-Kohen is allowed to eat it. And uh, Beishami argues that, uh, hey, you know, sometimes, um, you know, in, when doing service in the Beis Amigdash, a Kohen who is impure is on a higher level than a non-Kohen. Even if he is pure, and because uh, he's allowed to do avoda when, uh, as long as he's going, well, it's, it's permitted b'zibur, b'avoda zibur. So Bezil says that's nothing to do with our topic. We're talking about over here is uh, eating, and uh, in eating, the eating of a non-kohen is on a higher level than than a tummy, than a tummy going. Um, anyway, Rabbi Kiva allows even for gentle, and that's based on the other pasuk that. He learns it from he learns it from the words. It's It's like a deer, like a gazelle, uh, which uh, just like a tzvinayol is permitted to even Gentiles. So to um, uh, uh, any uh, you know these all psulia mukdashim, all non, all basically sanctified animals that got a blemish that are now being eaten by the owner uh, can be eaten by anyone. No different. Now, what does the other opinion hold? They say that uh, you can't learn from Tzvivayol. There's three times that it actually says that. And they each are, there's a drasha for each of them. Um, one, the last one that tells you what the drasha is, is uh, that it's not obligated in firstborn obligations. And that's true for Psulia Mokdashim. Anyway, bottom line is the Pesukim are used and not available to teach us this law. That's the story. Took us to the next halacha. Also, a stringency of Beishamai, and that is that a menstruating woman is prohibited to partake with from a Bukhar, even if it's a blemished Bukhar. That's Beishamai's opinion. Beishamai says 
that it can be eaten by a menstruating woman. Why? Why what? Which one? Why yes or why no? Why she cannot eat? Ah, so that's the question the Gemara asks. Why would Beishami say not? Because the Pasuk says, It should be to you, the Kahanim. And just like by the, over there, by Korbanos, who gets to eat it? Uh, uh, only people who are Kohar. Not, and, uh, uh, not but this a, is the food that the Kohen brings home. No, nor, well, that's true, but we're talking about a Bechor here, which has Kedusha to it. That's exactly the point. Since it has Kedusha, that's according to, Be, according to, according to Beishamai, it has a Kedusha very similar to a Korban. And therefore, you can't, if somebody, Tamei, like, somebody, uh, Tamei, on a high level of Tumah, like a Nida, which is a Tumah that comes out of her body, so that's, you can't partake of that. In that case, a man who has an emission, also would not be allowed. Correct. Be allowed. Exactly, no. same thing. Correct, that is exactly true. Now, Basila says, that's only an obligation when it's non-blemished, when you're actually eating it as a carbon. But if you're eating a blemished animal, so since the Pesach says, meaning even a non-pure person, a person who is tummy is allowed, so too, here can eat it, uh, uh, and, and that's the bottom line. And therefore, a woman who is an eater would be allowed to eat a Bechor, that's a Balmum, a blemished firstborn. Question is, what does Beishamay say about that? He says that's only uh, for a light level of Tumah, that's a contracted Tumah. That's the kind of Tumah that's lenient. But the Tumah that's Yotzelah Migufo is on a higher level. As we see, when it comes to Kurban Pesach, when bringing the Paschal Lamb, you're allowed to bring the Paschal Lamb if everyone's Tameh, or most of the Klal Yisrael is Tameh, they bring it even B'Tumah. But that's only for the light, for a contracted type of Tumah, that you get it from contact with the dead body, with the Sheretz, with the Nevela, those types of Tumahs. But any Tumah that's Yotzel Migufo, like a Zav, a Mitzorah, a Zavos, Nidos, Yodos, all of those would not be allowed to actually uh, um, uh, bring the carbon Pesach. So we'll apply the same thing here. Hillel says that if you look carefully, there's a big difference between the terminology used by Pesach and the terminology here. By Korm Pesach, it says, Tamei Nefesh. That's why, put that limitation on there, that only a Tamei that's contracted from outside is the kind of Tumah that we are allowed to override. As opposed to over here, where it just says the word Tamei, it doesn't distinguish what type of Tumah, so therefore, it would not be the case. Okay, so that's the bottom line. So bottom line, practical halacha, <laughs> we paskin like base Hillel, and yes, indeed, there's a lot to partake. A menstruating woman is allowed to eat the carbon, pes- the carbon not the kompesach, but the bechor uh, balmum. Next, limitation that we saw is a dispute also. It, well, it's uh, not a dispute. This one everyone agrees to. And that is the special uh, form of removing the hide of, uh, of, of the animal in such a way that it renders the, uh, um, the animal unable to be... Uh, um, do you need a Kamara? There's an extra Kamara over there. You got one? Oh, it has everything in it. Okay. All right. Can I ask a question about the Kamara? Sure. The, the, the tumor that comes from, from the, within the body is... It seems to be the, the one that would exclude the possibility of right? That's the five. That's, the, that's one opinion, yeah. Yeah, but, but tumus nase is much more severe than that, isn't it? Why In is a that? certain way. 
in a certain way. Isn't it interesting that you're allowed? Yeah, that's the Gemara. I don't know if you remember. We actually touched on the Gemara somewhere. I don't remember where it is. That compared and contrasted, they each have a stringency. A Tomah that's Yotel Migufo has certain stringencies. Over Tomah? Over, yeah, Tomah, right. It's Metamik Tachton Keelion. I don't know if you remember the mattresses. Yeah. That that type of Tomah doesn't exist. That doesn't work by Tomah Smith. No, it's Mishkav. Mishkav. Mishkav Moshev. So, maybe see on top of a bunch of mattresses that goes all the way down to all, the bottom. Right, exactly. And that's not the case for Thomas Mace. It's not the case. Right, so, so it does have, it does each one. Oh. But Thomas Ohel works by Mace, it doesn't work by, by Nida, right? right. So, right, right. Uh, or by any. So, that just happens uh, the way it works. Yeah, so in this area, we, we whatever. Anyway, the bottom line is, that's the story. Okay, anyway, so the next thing is talking about removing uh, the... Um, <coughs> Okay. We're reviewing. We're on the end. The review on Daflamid Gimel towards the bottom of uh, side A. Okay, and uh, so we're on this halacha uh, that uh, you're removing the hide in such a way that you're keeping the hide perfectly intact and you know, without any cuts in it, and it's a very tricky way to do it. So you're not allowed to do that on Yom Tov. Similar, you're not allowed to do that to a bechor, and similar, you're not allowed to do that to pesulim mikdashim. So he said, I understand why Yom Tov is an issue. Because the, the purpose why you're doing that is for a benefit that's not for yomtif, okay? The yomtif need is to eat the meat. So why you would have to go through that extra hassle, a very difficult way of removing the hide, is not benefiting you on yomtif, it's to the benefit of having the advantage of having the hide in such a way that it'll be very useful as a water skin or something like that. Um, and that's not, and that's a that's a tirchad. We call it tarch tirchad de But the question is, why by bechor or by psulim mutashim would that be also not allowed? So um, first we saw as Rav Chizdu says that the reason why is by bechor is because it's going according to bishamay. Just like bishamay says that a bechor, even when it's blemished, has some sanctity that it's even forbidden to a nida. So too, it has a somewhat of a sanctity that you can't. Um, denigrate the the, corpo, the animal in such a way by removing the hide in that way. What about Bebzulem Mutashim? Talking about all Hegdish that became uh, uh, got blemished. So that's going, uh, Sorov Chizda explains, that's going like Rabbi Reb Shimon, who says that Bebzulem uh, Mutashim as well, even one Bebzulem Mutashim actually maintains somewhat of a sanctity. And the example that Rabbi Lozor was talking about is an interesting case, is where a person set aside two, two chatos for the same Avera, uh, just in case something happens to one, he'll be able to bring the other one as his backup. And one of what ended up becoming blemished, so the one that was, uh, so the halacha is, is that the blemished one, uh, well, the, the blemished one you can, slaw, you can redeem, um, and, uh, but the, the halacha is, is that uh, the, and the, and the non-blemished one is brought as the offering, but if you slaughtered the palace mum before you did this rikas dam of the, kosher one, then it's fine. But after the Zrika's dam, uh, so then it's going to be prohibited because it like uh, messed it up. You know, you have to really first slaughter, you have to, before you bring the kosher one, you have to finish with the non-kosher one. Well, I mean, the blemished one. That's Is that one opinion. Which one gets a blemish? Like no, no they, were both, they were both sanctified at Lachrais, meaning just in case. But then the other one is not, not, no? I mean, they're both sanctified. Oh, 
Just in case. It's a, right, just so, in case. Right. So if, if nothing happens, the other one is not... Uh, it's, that's the problem. The chatas, that you have an extra chatas, has to die. So that's why it's not so simple. That's what Rabbi Lazarus opinion is, is that even after cooking, and you put it in the pot, and then I, I did this Rikas Tam on the kosher one, so it's achatas sheniskapru ba'alehah, you got uh, atoned already, the other one is garbage, and you can't eat it at all. But it's not achatas, no? If, if it's achatas. They're both achatas. He, he designated them as chatai. Right? No, I know, but isn't that almanaz, like if I need it, or no? He didn't say it that way. He just said, it, it's two chatas, he was mafrishon lachrayas. That if but, one that that if that's, one, that's a, nah, it's no. not real. I don't know. It sounds like if it gets a blemish. No, but it, yeah. The off. point being, it's not. It, it's like, yeah. It's saying I'm. Uh, they're they're both a, they're both a carbon. If I need it. Yeah, but I, well, that's a limitation. One, if he knew it was blemished, though, right? So it. No, it became blemished later. It wasn't. Blemished. It was fit to be brought. And then he brought. He brought the unblemished one first? Correct. Yeah, the only one. No, if he slaughtered the unblemished one, if he slaughtered the unblemished you have to redeem the unblemished one still, because right, right. it's also active. Right, 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 right. And he redeemed it. And, he, redeemed um, it. he redeemed it. Right. But, um, but then you've got this, now you've got the kosher animal in front of you that was a redeemed animal. He bought another animal. What? The, the, yeah, the blemished one. Yeah, no, no, no. He redeemed it. Now, what is he going to do with the money is a good question. It doesn't well, say what he buys what he another does. one, doesn't he? Well, he only needs one. Can you save it until next time he needs a chata? No, it's it's for this sin. It's that's what I'm saying. You, it's it's not a good it's not a good way to go. The bottom line is it's going to be out the money or something. The point being is is that once the chatas that the chatas that is kosher is brought, then you are atoned already and you have an extra chatas. When you're nothing. atoned for, for nothing. nothing, and when you have an extra chatas for nothing, that chatas is, is a total loss. Is a total loss. You have to allow, you have to toss it out or whatever. It's destroyed. If you ate it already before you were got atoned because you redeemed it and then you slaughtered it and then you ate it, that's yes, where fine. you can get away with it. That, but that's what you can do with it. Then. Right now, according to the Tanakama, you can slaughter it, and once you slaughtered it, you're good to go. Okay, yeah, but there's no reason for that. If redemption. after this rikas dam. That's when I did the shechita on the. Uh, that's when I started dealing with the, the the other one. That's when it's a problem. What's the mind of the redemption? Like what what do you gain if you redeem? Get the animal back. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, 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 the money is not lost, yours. Because anyway, it's a little. Yeah, anyways, you, you, lost, lost. you lost the money. You lost. Uh, it's so, all right. It's better right. to lose well, the animal. Well, if you want to eat the animal, I don't know. That, I, mean, I mean, that's your I, take. I, I, I care. What's the question? I don't see the problem. Where's the issue? You, you took the kosher one. You slaughtered the kosher one as you should, and you. You uh, sprinkled the, the, the Srika, you did the Srika. Right, so I'm, I, I'm all the way atoned. At that point, the second animal becomes just not useless. Uh, becomes a, I, I was already in this copper, I was already atoned, and I have a chattas left over. That's a problem. At that point, you can't redeem it, slaughter it. And it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. So only while, before you've gotten your atonement. Then, you then there's room to redeem it. But because it's a real chattas, then it's a real chattas, but then it's nothing. Okay, gotcha, okay. Anyway, this is the this is the story. Anyway, the bottom line is um, that's you see that even Sule Hamakdashim maintain a kedusha according to Rabbi Lozerubshim. So the Gemara says, why did Rav Chista have to say that it's two different opinions? The Bechor is one opinion, Beishamai, and the Sule Hamakdashim is somebody else. Why not say it's all Beishamai? The answer is is that Beishamai maybe only says it's halacha by firstborn that that it still has its kedusha because after all, firstborn is Kadosh uh, Meirechem, it's uh, sanctified from birth. On the other hand, P'sulei Mekdashim, not, because it's not Kadosh Meirechem, maybe he would say that it doesn't have that Kedusha. 
Why not the other way around? Why not say Rebbe Lozer, Rebbe Shimon, it says both halachas, even by Bechor? The answer is, is that Rebbe Lozer Shimon maybe only says by Psalm Muktashan, because it has also an advantage that because it was a chosen Kedusha that you, impl- that you put on it, imposed on it, by choice, so it has a higher level of sanctity that's able to transfer onto something. It's more redeemable in that sense. Uh, but a Bechor, which is not able, once it has a blemish, to transfer out, Bechor is sanctified and it's not removable in any way. So maybe he wouldn't say that it has a Kedusha the same way. And that's the story with that. So on that, the Gemara says, why would Rabbi Lazar Shimon say that this second animal becomes prohibited? Since, shouldn't he agree, or, and therefore he would say that you can't skin the animal to benefit, to, to, to get an extra benefit in the hide. Doesn't he say that we always look to benefit Hegdish? So if I have Mukdashim, I want Hegdish to get the maximum benefit. So should, we should, he should allow you to skin the animal in the same way that there's an allowance to sell the animal in the meat market where you get the better, fetch the better price for it. So the same logic should apply that I should be able to remove the hide in such a way that will maximize the value of the hide. And this way I'll get more money and the Hegdish will benefit more. So that's the question. Even though it's in somewhat of a denigration to Hegdish, it should be an, a special exception to give the benefit to the Hegdish. You understand? There's more value for the, the skinned animal from the feet than the right. meat from that animal? Oh, no. So that's what the Gemara That's the question. The Gemara answers is that it's a wash because although there's an, impre- there's an increase in value in the hide, but that same increase actually washes because it deters because the meat is not going to be cut as well because you can't focus on both. If you want to keep the hide good, then then uh, then it's going to have to cut into the meat. And if you're going to keep the meat good, then you're going to cut into the hide. You can't have it both ways, you know. So, so that's the story. What takes so the point is that, not, that there's, he's not going to let you denigrate the meat, meat. Ah, that has a kedusha. It's an extra issue. You're not gonna, right, the, the whole point is that if it was a monetary gain to Hegdish, fine. But it isn't a monetary gain. So now you're not allowed to mess with it. Therefore, you're not allowed to mess with it. That's the bottom line. Okay. Now, we did see uh, two other answers. We saw Rav Murray, the son of... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we saw Ravina. In Marava said in the name of Ravina, another answer is that it, the bottom, the reason why we can't do the hide is because it's nira kovet avodah It looks like you're doing work with with a kachim, with a sanctified animal, which is its own idea that's not not acceptable, and um, it's not only going according to the. It's it, it, in other words, removing the hide in this way is a big bizayim because it looks like you're working the the kachim. Okay, that's the reason. Um, um, and because after all, what's that? What's the hide going to end up as? As a bellows? It's like you know, it's a denigration. Um, then we saw Rabbi Yossi that if you're going to benefit from the hide, it's uh, it's uh, there might be a temptation to raise these animals, the psulah makdashim, and to keep them going so it'll be increased in value, and help make a whole flock of them. And as these animals are prohibited to do work with, that would be um, uh, setting people up for problems, and that's why it's an issue. Okay, took us to the next thing, which is um, an interesting uh, halacha, talking about a bechor, a firstborn animal that uh, has um, an issue with his blood, that the only way to solve it is with uh, doing a bloodletting. So if you, even if the animal is so overloaded with the blood that if you don't bloodlet, it will, um, it will die, you're still not allowed to do it according to Rabbi Yehuda. So you're never allowed to do any type of bloodletting to save, even to save the animal. 
That will be a blemish. Because you, be, cause you might, might be, cause you not, might be making a blemish. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Not even for sure. That's opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Opinion of Chacham is, is that uh, is that you should do it to save the animal, provided that you don't make a blemish in the animal. So, in other words, do it in such a way that it won't create a blemish. Did they now, have needles in those days that you could, you know, like we course. do today? You can, you could extract the blood just by puncturing a vein and. Yeah, probably that's with something. It, so there's, what blemish would there be? That seals up? That's yeah, well, it depends it, if, it. if you know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? There are ways to do it that would create a blemish and ways to do it that won't create a blemish. How big of a needle you're using or whatever it so is. They, they, had, they, had, they, were, they had a knowledge of how to, how to bloodlet. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Needles what they they used a sharp blade. Yeah, they didn't have needles well, that's probably. Blemish, that's no, I'm saying if they had a puncture. They can heal up. Maybe a reed. They can heal up though. Oh, I mean, uh, if you, yeah, an cut. You get a an cut. incision, you right? Up, yeah, up. With a scar. Didn't they used to do that during the dark ages? Yes. yes. Letting yes. Before, yes. Blood letting, exactly. In the Middle Ages. Yeah, this, this is, is before even before. Dark ages. So, dark ages were already. Uh, they have knives. So, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm saying needles. Well, okay, right there. Needles, like a reed or something. We don't know. About I don't know what they had. I have no idea. Okay. Well, but bloodletting, there was a very well-established practice for thousands of years. But they usually did it with a cut. They did it with a cut. Also for the Kumamim, right? Yes. What is a lancet? Is it lancet a... The barber. Is that a hard... It's just a pin. Ruben, what's a lancet? A lancet's a little... like a thing you use for to check your blood. That little pricking thing. So it's like a small... It's like a needle. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. It's not a hollow tube. I think they made a cut and they put those uh, maggots on, whatever it is, those blood suckers. No, anyway. the leeches? No, leeches. you don't need a cut for that. They just you don't put need, it they just put it on? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Same purpose. What? Same purpose. No, we have enough. Okay, Rabbi, say, say Viter. You didn't say the word Viter. Viter. Okay, Viter, Rabbi, say. Okay, anyway, I can't tell you much about it, but the bottom line is even at the risk of the loss of the animal, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't allow it. Chacham says you may, provided that you do it in such a way that doesn't create a blemish. And as a, as a precaution, if you accidentally do create a blemish, that's not a blemish that you're allowed to rely on to permit the animal. Okay? And uh, then we saw Rabbi Shimon's opinion, the last opinion of the Mishnah, that you could do the, uh, do the, do the causal, you could do the bloodletting, even if it makes a blemish, and we don't even worry about it, and we'll see more than that in the, in the Brysa. The Brysa is brought down in the Gemara that, um, um, that, your, uh, that the Tanakama in the Brysa says that you can do it in a way that it won't create a blemish, and if it does it accidentally create a blemish, so, um, okay, whatever. That's, I'm sorry, it doesn't speak about that. That's Rameir's opinion. Do it in a way that shouldn't create a blemish. Rameir. Chum say, even if it will make a blemish, as long as we don't rely on that blemish, that's okay too. And Rabbi Shimon says that even if you will slaughter on the basis of that blemish, that's also permissible. Now, uh, Rabbi Yudha says that uh, even if it's going to die, you're not allowed to do any, uh, any of those any hakaza, any bloodletting whatsoever, you're not allowed to do. So uh, the Rebbe Lazar was teaching this to his son, or Rebbe was teaching it to his son, and he said, and they all, and they said like this, that the machlokes over here is the identical dispute with regards to the barrel of truma. What's the story with the barrel of truma? If you have a barrel of truma, that now we have a suffix tuma on it. We're not sure if it's pure or impure, and that becomes very problematic because when a barrel of truma 
is tahor. It can be eaten. The contents can be eaten by a coin when he's impure. If it's impure, then it can be used in such a way that it's a, as long as it's in, in the use, it gets destroyed. So you can um, basically use it as a fuel. If it's like oil or something, you can use it as a fuel under your food and cook things, use it as a cooking oil. And if it's, let's say, like a wine or something like that, you can use it as an, uh, for an aroma, for like a, like a Febreze to remove a smell that's also allowed because you're dissipating it, okay? These are, this is what's permitted to do. But once it's suffix, then you can't do either way because if, if it's a suffix, you, you have to be worried that maybe it's tahar or maybe it's tummy. So what are you supposed to do with this, uh, with this situation? So according to Rabbi there in, in the Brisa, uh, I'm sorry, in the Mishnah, over there, he says that if it was in an open place, then you're going to have to put it in a protected place. The point being is you have to protect it that it doesn't become tummy and watch over it. And no different than, than if it was for sure tar. You have to cover it if it was uncovered. Uh, according to Rabbi Yeshua, um, the opposite is true. You put it in a way that it would be more likely to become impure to at least uh, be able to, to get a use out of it. Okay? And um, then we saw Rabbi Gamliel who says that you can't do anything to it. You have to leave it in its status quo. Don't touch any. Don't even touch it. And, uh, and, and uh, basically what we're suggesting is that uh, Remeyer holds like Rabbi Yezer, Rabbanan holds like Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Yudah holds like Rabbi Gamliel. And so they line up perfectly. So the Gemara says that is... Um, yeah? There's cars parked in front of the garbage out there and the man is sitting oh, out there waiting to try to empty the garbage. Oh, I see. The so, are all parked. so uh, whoever is parked... He left, he left. Okay. Yeah, two people are. Okay. Two people were blocking. Okay. All right. I All right. Anyway, so anyway, the bottom line is um, uh, the Gemara says that none of that is necessarily true. First of all, Maybe uh, that's only, uh, basically, all of these, uh, it could be that there's a difference. Over there, um, when it comes to the impurity, um, the reason why you should, not, you should protect it is because Eliyahu Navi might come and clarify that, in fact, it is pure, and then there's no reason to do any act on it. In fact, you should protect it from coming to me. Um, and that will give you the maximum use. So there's a better idea. Over here, acting is an imperative because the animal's going to die. So even even uh, Rebbe Lezer might allow it over here, and um, also the rabbis over here said because it, there's a reason for protection, as opposed to over there they might agree to Rebbe Lezer. So it's not necessarily lining up like that. And also, even Rebbe Yehuda over in our Mishnah is because you're not allowed to do an act that's direct and a, a complete direct act that's problematic, as opposed to uh, as opposed to here. I mean, in the price of the of the barrel, it's uh, you're not doing anything directly. You're just putting it in a in a way that it's likely to become tummy. Maybe even Rabbi Yudha would say that there's no issue with that. And uh, also Rabbi Gamliel, who says don't touch it and leave it as is, that might be because of the possibility that a, a lawyer and navi might come, um, as opposed to over here where there's a an imperative of it dying. They might agree with the rabbis. Anyway, bottom line. That's so. The bottom line is, there's no reason to assume that either side lines up the, uh, with the same opinion. And not only that, there's psukim that back up each of the two sides. And that took us to the discussion of when it comes to chametz. Everyone agrees that chametz 
there's an issue of making chametz even on something that is already chametz, which sounds funny, but it's not really an issue. I mean, what I mean is this: if you have, uh, if you let your dough rise, you mix flour and water and make it into dough, and then it rises. That's chametz. If you bake it in the oven, that's being mechametz chametz. You're making the chametz even into bread, and that's also both people who did both acts will both be transgressing on Pesach. It's, it doesn't say why. It's just in the Pesach. It says, Lo tofech hamet. So, lo seofech hamet. That is right. So, Veloza, so it's like a double act. Similarly, yeah. What about uh, yeast that's used in beer, like coffee, barley? That's a big problem. Beer is generally chametz on Pesach. You're not allowed to eat beer because it comes from, it's a, it's a wheat product. What? Right, right. But it depends on, see, yeast, there's, Chemical yeast and real yeast, and that's not. Is that considered two separate acts? The yes. Mix, yeah. The mixing of the flour and then baking it. Baking yeah. Two separate. Layers. Each act, you're a for it, even <laughs> though it's on the same product. That's exactly the point. Same is true with regards to uh, castrating an animal, when, which is a prohibition. Even if the first one castrated in such a way that there was another act on top of that and it's already a moot point because that animal's already castrated and cannot have children, but that doesn't matter. It's, an, it's a further act, and you're chayv twice. It's It'll be chayv for each one. It's, it's further in a sense, yeah. Because it's... I, 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 no, no. What? It's an optical thing. The second one is just an optical, no? <coughs> Whatever you want to call it, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. Same ideas, Anyway, where is there a dispute? Okay, Rabbi Isai, where is there a dispute? Only by blemish. Putting a blemish on an animal that is already blemished. According to Remeyer, it says in the Pasuk, and that's where we're up to, so I think we should... Um, yeah, that's where I stop over here. We'll read it inside. <coughs>